What's up everyone and welcome to episode 98 of the Justin Insight podcast which is brought to you this week in association with alreadyheard.com. Uh, Already Heard is a UK based alternative music website covering the latest news, reviews, features, exclusives, videos and so much more. Um, the site is run by a dedicated group of music fans all based around the UK, myself included in that group, um, who just want to promote the best in sort of punk, hardcore, pop punk, emo, metal, whatever you want to say, it's a one-stop shop for all your musical, alternative musical needs. Um, so it's with thanks to Sean from Already Heard that this week's interview was possible, so shout out to Already Heard. Um, yeah, hope everyone is doing well, hope everyone had a lovely week. Just want to say a huge thank you for all the amazing feedback from last week's episode with Jamila from Ithaca. Um, I've had a few people say to me that they're not necessarily massive Ithaca fans, but they found what Jamila had to say really interesting um, in terms of just the content of what we were talking about, really, whether she's in the band or not. It was a, a great conversation. So, yeah, thanks again to for all those kind words. Um, also, I'm pretty bad at self-promoting, but if this is the first time you're listening to the show, which I'm going to assume it might be for a lot of people... Uh, then please subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to this show on. Give us a little rating, give us a review, it really helps. Um, as I am trying to build this brand a bit bigger, get us a bit more visible, get some more guests as we are approaching number 100. I want to go for another 100. So yeah, just do us a favour, give us a give subscribe um yeah anyway i had another busy week this week managed to squeeze in two more shows uh i went to see drug church at the joiners which was loads of fun the really awesome live band um so if i think they kind of finished their uk leg now with single mothers um but if you're listening to this in in mainland europe they're coming over there next so make sure if they're in a city near you go check them out um also, I went to see, which is maybe one of the UK's most exciting metal bands in Conjurer, uh, in Bournemouth. They're just fucking mind-blowing. Literally, like, they're just so tight, it's unreal. And their bassist uh, has a head like a bobblehead. He's just literally just windmills the whole way through their set. So, yeah, that was fucking awesome as well. Um, but a little bit of news for, for you all this week. Uh, Boomtown Festival has announced this lineup. Um, as well as the the big chart topping names, once again the earache stage has returned with bands like Ithaca, um, but also at the gates and Cancer Bats and so much more, which will be gracing that festival. So it's awesome to see their heavy bands once again getting an opportunity at that. Uh, elsewhere, Year of the Knife have signed to Pure Noise Records. Uh, they're set to release a kind of a discography 12-inch record. It's a, a mix of their two EPs and I think one or two new songs so yeah that, really looking forward to that uh, Year of the Knife are one of my favourite bands at the moment so really exciting news on their ends um, and finally <coughs> <coughs> sorry excuse me um, Periphery have announced that they will be releasing their fifth studio album uh, which is entitled Between the Earth and the Trees uh, it's out on May 3rd sorry <coughs> sorry I'm just kind of tail end of the cold and the cough is still there slightly giving me a bit of a tickly throat so I do apologise um, to stop me coughing all over my microphone 
Let's get into the guest this week, and this week I am joined by Andrew Shiraki, who is better known as the artist as Koji. Um, caught up with Koji while he was on tour recently with Such Gold in Brighton. Uh, we discuss how he kind of found his place in, in the punk community, uh, what it was like for taking a prolonged period of time away from music to kind of reassess and reevaluate, and now kind of coming back into it with a, with a different appreciation, um, the importance of a community for him, and also, despite being quite a calm, spiritual kind of guy, he's still a, a pissed-off punk kid. Um, before we go into this, a brief little caveat. This was recorded before all the stuff with Frank Turner sort of bubbled around on the internet. Um, so, obviously, if that was around the time, would have touched upon that with Koji, but happened afterwards, so not part of the conversation. If you don't have a clue what I'm on about, just Google it. Um, it's not my place to to explain it but yeah it's worth having a read up on if you're so interested um also there is a little bit of background noise in some parts of this conversation because the opening band of the show were were playing but it doesn't really affect things too much but just a, a little caveat there anyway hope you enjoy my chat with koji and i'll see you on the other side My older brother kind of got me into sort of ah, the sort of new metal, I guess, uh-huh. kind of back in sort of like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And then my sort of like own sort of yeah. curiosity took me into like hardcore and, and stuff like that. What was, what was the first hardcore band that the really sparked that where you're like, oh, there's this other thing? Okay, so initially, Comeback Kid. Yeah, turn it sick. around. Yeah, um, but the band that really launched things for me were Have Heart. Oh yeah, because that's when I was sort of like really delved into like Straight Edge. So and, you about thirty? Thirty this year. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that like, delved into like Straight Edge and everything like that. Yeah. And things like that. Um, I am recording, so I will give Sweet. you an instruction. I'm sat in a venue in Brighton that I can't pronounce the name of, so I'm not going to try. With Andrew uh, Shiraki, Shiraki. Yeah. yeah. Uh, better known as Koji, uh, currently on tour with Such Gold and Ducking Punches. Uh, how's the, the tour been in general so far? Uh, the tour is great. It's um, my first trip. Uh, to the UK, I think, in four, five years. I was going to say, it's been a long time since we've had you over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's my first time with a full band. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's now eight years after the first time I came over with oh, Such Oh, wow, Gold. okay. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, so to be able to play with them and to kind of see the progression in them as players. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as a band and where their songwriting is at now and... Um, and to kind of measure myself uh, as like a person in their community yeah, and yeah. Our, as a part of this greater community of music, it's so cool to kind of be at this point in my life and really loving music yeah, as much yeah. as I did 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, any particular highlights on the, of the tour so far? Yeah. Um, I think bonding... Again, like we're all in new places in our lives. Yeah, yeah. So just to kind of better understand where my friends are at and to make these new friends and ducking punches. Yeah, And yeah. then to reconnect with so many people that were there on the first tours. That that all has been so sweet. <laughs> yeah. But I think the full band aspect of performing has drawn 
something new out of these songs. Yeah. So I'm playing a lot from kind of all of my releases. I'm yeah, drawing yeah, yeah. a little bit off of everything. So to be able to to kind of visit my life in music in this way, and again to be doing my first tour, not just here in the UK, but this is my first like month long tour in maybe three years. Yeah. So it's like it's a real trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. as I mentioned before I hit record, the show is called Justin Insight. I like to take my guests back to their origins, so to say. So what was your kind of first exposure of sort of alternative music? Um Well I feel like my first my first exposure to like outside the mainstream yeah. starts with like with my dad who grew up in Hawaii and okay. listening to like Hawaiian traditional music. Yeah. That's like a people's music and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think getting into punk um you know kind of at the beginning of adolescence was like a crucial thing. That's what inspired me to finally get a guitar because mm. it was just like a a style of music you could drop into like yeah, you can yeah pick up a guitar and start playing Green Day you know <laughs> yeah. so but then you know as I progressed further into it and got more into to punk and um, like DIY and into hardcore and finding bands like Fugazi yeah. um, and finding a world that was like Discord or J-Tree and experiencing that in my local scene yeah yeah that was crazy to me and, and you know as my relationship with my family grows and my identity as an individual was growing my dad kind of came to me and showed me folk music as well oh, okay cool and so like experiencing like this realization that punk and like diy and people's music is just like a long tradition yeah, yeah. It, it helped me really give better historical context to what i'm doing and i think that kind of lit my spirit up in a way yeah because growing up uh, as one of the only Asian people in central Pennsylvania, I really struggled to find a, a sense of place. Yeah, yeah. So kind of understanding how big the world of music was and that this was an open space for me to connect with my values and my creativity uh, and my sense of history, that, that, was, that was really special and important. So you you mentioned sort of like discovering like Fugazi and things, but what sort of, was that kind of like a... A point where you were like, right, I've discovered the, these bands. Yeah. Now I want to sort of divulge and sort of like alongside the folk, I guess, like sort yeah. of experience what you kind of would later to develop what you're doing now. Yeah. Is this okay, sound wise? Yeah, yeah. Going this, this it's good. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't, uh, like, I mean, what I love about music is it's non-linear. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Uh, people try to make it linear, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like, I think history is important, but it's also important to understand what systems, uh, allow which histories to propagate. Yeah. So like, I like about punk, uh, because there's like such a culture of self-publishing, like DIY culture is not just making the record, but it's putting on the show and telling our stories in person. Mm. It's the people that are telling their stories through making the flyers, making the art, doing scenes. So like kind of seeing how interdisciplinary it all was and how connected it was to all forms of creation. It's it, like punk doesn't live on an island. It's such a... Yeah, yeah. It, it's, you know, as people that enjoy punk and hardcore, we are recipients of like really formal pop writing or yeah, like, yeah. you know, the heaviness in angry sounding music is like, you know, 
just an orchestra sped up and like <laughs> yeah. there's there's so much of what's going on that's just like really musical and human and a, and a conclusion that like people will get to time and time again it's mm. just gonna be slightly different aesthetic positions yeah. and different historical context but yeah I, I do in w- one way feel like music's this unbroken chain but it's a chain that goes in all directions yeah. right and like <laughs> I've I, I love that. You know, I like. Yeah, fine. I mean, I would go to reading programs in the summer. Like my parents were sick, they like let me, let me pursue the arts, okay, and were cool. really excited about me reading books yeah, yeah, and yeah. and learning. So I got into propaganda, and I was like, "Who's Noam Chomsky and Howard Zinn?" <laughs> yeah. So like they they were like, they, you know, they helped me order books offline that I couldn't find locally. Okay, that's cool. So, you know, I'm getting manufacturing consent by Noam Chomsky and a people's history of the United States. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a as an early teen. Yeah. That's you know, I I'm like the only person on that tip in my <laughs> yeah. high school, you know. And 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 I have like, you know, propaganda to thank for that. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned earlier sort of like being one of kind of the only sort of Asian people sort of in that sort of Pennsylvania yeah. world. But like punk is a, a sort of a crowd of misfits, that's why a lot yeah, of people yeah. are drawn to it. So what was it like growing up in the Pennsylvania scene? Like, was it was there like a quite a thriving scene there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Pennsylvania had a great scene. It's like every you know, like my first shows were in my hometown, of course, and then I'm playing like old coal mining towns. Yeah, yeah. And like middle of nowhere places, and each place had its own scene. You know, it's like at the birth of the internet, where or as we kind of know it today, in in a social media context Mm. like where people are able to and and people have so much access because of like illegal downloading (laughs) so i i think it was great because all these small towns were able to get it at a time where there was still a tradition of like when you want to connect with people you have to go physically to the same place yeah yeah. you know we don't just live on instagram (laughs) and i i think that that was really cool that um so many kids had access and we also were, you know, the housing crash hadn't happened in the early 2000s, so people were able to be in bands. Mm. Like, families could kind of foster that for their children, and yeah. they weren't being given iPads or getting a yeah, guitar yeah, instead. Yeah. So I think that that was a, a really special time in music in Pennsylvania. I mean, like, I come from a, a place of so many scenes and so many different kind of punk and hardcore, emo and all of that adjacent genre stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, growing up in Central PA, you got a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, all the anti-flag side projects I would be booking in high school. (laughs) Or I'd go and see Cold World at my, like, at my venue across the river. Or, like, I could go to Philly and go watch tours that were going there. Yeah, yeah. So that was, like, amazing that, like, to... Because here in the UK, it's not car culture, but there is a tradition of traveling to go. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the term is like nipping into towns. Yeah. You just like <laughs> yeah, go yeah, mad yeah. quick. Well, that's the, kind of what I right? So I, I live in Portsmouth, which is kind yeah. of like the next big coastal city along. Yeah. So I've tri- driven here tonight for, for the show, and I'll do that quite a lot just because there's not a lot that happens in Portsmouth. There's more that happens in other cities. So mm. as you say, I'll nip to yeah. the next city along. Yeah. Sort of so for us, it's just like get as many people in the car everybody splits gas and we go to the show and you're like oftentimes going to vfw or fire hall like you know like public halls that you can rent out for cheap or get for free 
church basement, whatever, and house show. Yeah. And that that's that's our culture in Pennsylvania. So like, to, you know, at that point, being like a teenager, connecting, and then early teen or early twenties, like connecting with all these people that eventually became touring mm. musicians as well. Yeah. So it's like wild to think like I can remember when we were all like early 20s and I'm meeting such gold and title fight and like I had already known Wonder Years for Mad Long I was connecting with like people from the Midwest yeah yeah um, you know a lot of spew and into it over it and then people from California and like everyone's just beginning to tour and figuring out how to be DIY musicians and then later finding out how to you know like I have great memories of like debating on whether it's some sellout shit to go play on a stage because <laughs> yeah. we we don't we don't have like the level of production that was here in the uk like you just get a vocal pa yeah and you yeah. set up all your amps and you go yeah you yeah. know so like when early tours going to fest you'd play fire halls or like house shows to like 20 kids and it would be like defeater pianos would come to teeth a lot of spew into it over it me like <laughs> yeah. stuff that would like you know we might not be able to fit all those people into yeah, a house yeah, today yeah, yeah. and that's like that's a, that's amazing like that it was so important to do before anyone was paying attention yeah, yeah. You know? and in terms of kind of like picking up a, a guitar like you mentioned earlier like going into punk and things like that was what yeah. sort of made you want to do that and a lot of people know you now for for the solo projects but what was your kind of first sort of like journey into actually playing live music like did you start off solo and then go into bands? Did you want to form a band? How did that all come about? Uh, I was I was definitely in bands, but it's just like anybody's high school band. Yeah, like yeah. I sounded like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think like I started doing uh, <laughs> open mics because I just wanted to play more. Yeah. And so I learned how to play acoustic guitar and play by myself at like open mics where there was like so many so I could go to like several a week yeah, and just get yeah. the practice in okay that's cool and then at the same time I was doing like kind of um, like I really liked Refused and The Locust and <laughs> yeah. like uh, so I did like a two piece like noisy kind of synthy sometimes blasty awesome. like hardcore thing nice and, I can get, I'll get into that. Yeah, and like, <laughs> and so I'm doing both because I I think I like I always thought about like, uh, Ian Mackay talking about like Fugazi and how I think maybe his grandma was like saying like you know that like it would sound louder if you were quiet sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's when I started to like really play with dynamic and understand what it means to perform and mm. have people's attention and how to be a good steward of people's time and attention. And like just approach things with like a level of attention and focus on telling you know the story I want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of kind of like singing, because I think like you've got quite a, a unique voice. It's quite definitive. Like if you were to work on a Koji record and someone wasn't sort of massively familiar, but they'd be able to, oh yeah, I recognise that's Koji. Yeah. Sort of thing. Like, was singing something that you always wanted to do, or was it doing those open mics that you kind of built up your confidence? I mean, I I wouldn't be singing if I had a mic stand at my first band's practice. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we we uh, were so excited that we had guitars and drums. Yeah, yeah. And then like I got a mic, so I was like, okay. My friend Matt was like the cool kid in the band. Right. He was the one I was like finding out about records first, and his mom would let us practice in their okay, basement. Okay, that's cool. 
And so we're like, okay, Matt's gonna sing. He's the drummer. He's gonna sing. And then we like got to practice, and we're like, oh, where do we put the microphone? <laughs> so we like hung it from the rafters, but it, it like he couldn't reach it sitting on the drum throne. And Scott, our bass player, wasn't gonna sing, so it, I guess it was gonna be me. <laughs> and so like I would just sing the like the two Green Day songs that we Yay. did. And that, that was like, that was how I started. And then after that, it was just like always pragmatic. Like, in the, like singing was just like the thing that I did because it just like no one was there to do it. And then I would keep doing shows. Like I love to organize shows because I love yeah. getting people together. I think community is so important. Mm-hmm. And I knew that very early. And I loved the bands that were like message first, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. music second. So those bands were always talking about how important it is to get involved and like get organized. And so like for me, I love putting on the show. So mm-hmm. I liked making the flyer, making the artwork for the records. I like making the records, like every piece of it. And the only way I could do all the things is if I was like singing because there are yeah, so few yeah. people that wanted to do that. Yeah. It's not like that I really dreamed of being a singer (laughs) there's nothing worse to me than like having to go up and and sing you know until I realized I was like oh this feels good yeah 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 but for a long time it was just uh it was painful (laughs) it was and it was just because I wanted to organize more shows and I could get people to come if my band was playing yeah yeah you know and before we kind of delve into like the solo stuff something else that obviously you're quite well known for is your work in sort of activism and being an activist um I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of get into that a little bit later in life, but was it something that you were drawn to quite early? And I think, I mean this is a compliment, but I think there's a lot of people that you, you kind of say it's bands that have a message, but they maybe not necessarily follow it up, but you are someone that seems to follow your message through. Yeah. So was that, was that something that was, has been always really important to you, that you're, you don't just sort of have a message and you say you're an activist, you actually act upon it? Hmm. I mean... I feel like, I, like I, I, I guess I focus less on the word activist now, and I fo- a few years ago was like I really want to understand what it is to be a neighbor. Okay. And um, and so like I tried to like just pull back because yeah. I, I I didn't feel good just being someone with the right opinions on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And I, and and I'd been touring for all of my 20s and I got really far from the place where even though I was like having food drives or doing uh, like signature, you know, drives for petitions yeah. or book drives and like getting involved and using my platform to elevate organizations that are doing good work, like I really was getting to a point where I was like locally that's where the real change happens. So like what can I do on a local basis and and so like I, I'm kind of understanding the whole circle now yeah. like what got me into that because as a young kid I ran a nonprofit, and we would have like art shows and film screenings and music shows with bands and everything and then all the time we were always collecting food and then once a month we'd open up and just have a food pantry that people in the community could come and get food yeah and um and I just always knew it was important to use your time and talent for something good. So like doing benefit shows, you know, I was just modeling what I was seeing. I heard about Food Not Bombs. I was seeing people do uh, benefits for cancer research. And like I was, I'm, I've never been interested in money. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, was, I, I was really excited by the people that 
believed in music so much and also believed in people and I think that's the thing that defines my practice yeah, still yeah. today it's yeah. like I just believe so much in music because it is um, it is this weird abstract thing that lights up our being and if you know you can map the brain and see that like music really sends so much electricity through yeah, yeah. through the whole thing you know and I like that's that's marvelous to me that there's just like there's science to explain it but I mean there's something that you just know about it if you're that music fan you yeah know? yeah no, okay. and, 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 and I think it restores us uh, for for music that's done in a certain way I think it can really return us to our bodies return us to our communities yeah. and and highlight the essential so like yeah the activism piece to me today like I'm now reconnecting my music practice to what it means to be an activist and I'm I'm just focused on letting letting this idea of community uh, and not just with people but the whole living world and recognizing the health of our connection to that living world <laughs> yeah, yeah. and just letting that guide me and and um, yeah help help let me lead a, like a, a more gentle path yeah <laughs> you know it's like taking the rage but like learning how to be more gentle on the earth and be more soft and open with the people that I, I meet yeah and and kind of set the table to to live a life of creation that is really uh, just aware yeah yeah you know I know you asked about being an activist but I just kind of no, no 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 that's, 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 yeah, that's yeah. it oh no it's absolutely fine yeah yeah um, and then, obviously, in terms of you doing what you're doing now under the kind of the Koji bracket, so to say, when you kind of made that decision to go solo, like, was it just a case of, like, that you still had those creative juices, but you weren't necessarily being fulfilled by a full band? Or, like, what was the decision to go it alone? Uh... I mean, like, I have an idea. Like, you know, when it's like there's like a story you tell about yourself, and then <laughs> yeah. you know, in your own head, that yeah, is yeah, your identity, yeah. and there's like shades of that that are like truly what happened. And it's and it's and it's hard to say. Like, I've never felt. I've never felt like this is what I'm going to do. Right, yeah. Like, I I just haven't thought that that far ahead. Like, there wasn't a decision of, like, I'm I'm going to do this. It was just, like, a, a, approach each thing that comes, um, the, like, the best I know how. Yeah. You know, now I articulate that in terms of, like, oh, there's an opportunity to go tour or make a record or just practice or to rehearse. I just want to be present for yeah. that, you know, not thinking about how this fits into everything, but just like embody myself in the music. Mm. And um, and I think like when you're younger in your 20s, you are more egoic, you know, it's like a more narcissistic time. It's like, you know, like that that period of late teens through early 20s is like your brain second preening. So yeah, you're just yeah, flooded yeah. with hormones and it's the most narcissistic you're going to be. <laughs> yeah for the rest of your life yeah and it's horrible and painful <laughs> and i think like i definitely had a drive to go 
play and I knew I wanted to tour and I knew I wanted to see the world. But I think like more than like just going and being the musician, I just wanted to know the world. Yeah. And that was going to be the vehicle that would allow me to connect with it. So like I had a goal like when I was 25, you know, it wasn't so much like I'm going to do this and this and music. It's like I want to see all 50 states. Yeah, 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 yeah. So by the time I was 25, like I did that. That's and now cool. now in 35, I'd like to go to all the continents that I can with people on them. That's cool. And um and I think again it'll be music and art and community that will allow me to know the world. Mm. Cuz I do I do want to know it where I'm from and maybe you can relate or like as I've moved through the country, like I find people also from small towns, like you want to know the world. Like that's yeah, why yeah. we put ourselves in front of music and expression and and are a part of this community. You know, and like there's a yearning to to just experience. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and like coming from a small place where it was like it was definitely the city, but in ten minutes you could be in farmland or on yeah. a mountain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there was like a sense of isolation there culturally that you. I think maybe you have less with the internet, but you physically you know it because it's harder to go have certain experiences and like, yeah, I don't know. I just love that music and the arts, and and just like activism, like you make your own fun, you yeah. make you make your own impact, and it takes a certain imagination to believe that about yourself and about other people yeah yeah and i think that that's really beautiful like that's that's the best about people um i don't remember what you're no 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 that's again. cool uh, um, i just go no no <laughs> no, no honestly it's actually yeah. that's the whole point um but you've brought up a couple of times but you mentioned sort of like the aspects of community and yeah having been fortunate <clears throat> enough to see you a couple of times that's very much a part obviously might be a bit different tonight because of live band but yeah that's very much part of your show is getting the crowd sort of involved in some aspects so they feel like mm-hmm. it's not just you performing it's them being part of it yeah the reason I bring this up is because I remember one of the shows I saw you at was it, uh, you might remember this I don't know uh, Rooftop in a Castle in oh, Southampton oh yeah yes yeah. and I just remember everyone was in a circle around you and you were just playing and I think in the end by the end everyone was sat down yourself included yeah yeah um, so is that just something I guess being a solo act that you were able to kind of sort of develop the more you were on the road that you rather than being on a stage with a guitar mm-hmm. that you you had the freedom to walk amongst the crowd and kind of create your True. own space yeah i mean man i'm the, going on this tour i'm remembering like i've lived in new york for a couple of years and i owned a bar and i was so i was off the internet yeah and yeah. i and i truly forgot and which is weird to say <laughs> But, yeah. like, I forgot about my music life. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm touring and I'm, like, <laughs> going to all these old places and things come flooding back. And yeah, I'm playing yeah. the songs and, and, and things come flooding back. And I'm, like, I I didn't understand that about memory or consciousness or about music. Mm. So, like, this trip has uncovered new layers. And, like, like you're saying, like, yeah, as you're describing the freedom of, like, DIY, like, the most fun I'm ever going to have is is those early days where it's such makeshift spaces and you have to be creative yeah and and i'm realizing now as i'm playing these shows that like as you do over and over again you fall in love with music over and over again yeah you you go through these cycles with whatever it is you do just life is that way 
So like now I'm looking at the whole thing and I'm like, wow, like this was so important for me to make space, not just for myself, but for people to again, become aware. Yeah. But there was like a, a, a type of conversation not being had and that's why it felt important enough for me to go and yeah, yeah. do my music. Because that, that for me as like this person of color in a, in a scene that I've been told doesn't have space for me. You yeah, know, where yeah. I come from, there's mad Nazis. There's like central PA is very white supremacist. Yeah, yeah. And like kind of coping with that was interesting because music was the only space where like I had heard that before, not inside music, but in, in regular life. Yeah. But music was one of the only spaces where people ever stuck up for me. Yeah, yeah. And they not only stuck up for me, but they were like, start a band. Yeah, Be yeah, a part yeah, of this. Yeah. You know, and that was like really empowering at a time when I needed that most. So for me, using this platform now, like I want to return that and just be like, participate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, be in your body, be with the people around you, be in your environment, know where you are, and know that you you are enough and you are powerful and you are creative and you can do so much. You know, don't worry about what the limitations are. Mm. Let let that be a part of the story and. And, you know, you don't have to view things as obstacles. They're just informing what your path is going to be and how fluid you'll have to be in, in kind of incorporating those yeah. things. Because you, you, can, you can do so much. And I, I think our society, you know, is so based on debt. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in the United States, it's crazy that wages have stagnated, but, like, it, the college tuition has gone up. Yeah, cost of living is just Hundreds. Crazy, yeah. You know, like hundreds of percent, and and housing has got skyrocketed, and it's just like this: the class warfare going on around the world, and the austerity going on around the world um, in both of our countries, mm. uh, like dealing with Brexit and dealing with the wall. Yeah, yeah. You know, they symbolize so much yeah. in terms of just the lack of vision that people have, yeah. and it's because of this mindset of scarcity and fear. Mm that is just instilled in us. We're trained to be consumers. Yeah, yeah. Instead of in, instead of cultivating like pe- people who are alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just drones kind of trying to <laughs> trying yeah. to get by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When what we think our only options are is managing our debt and consuming yeah, collecting like trinkets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, positioning ourselves socially. And like fuck status, no, I, you know, fuck, fuck material. It? Like it's yeah, people constantly sort of strive for that validation and things yeah. like that. But it's just not, it's not necessary. It's like right, as you as you say, like I, I'm one for myself. Like I collect things, like but at the end of the day, it's just things, isn't it? Like, right. Yeah, it's just I get I totally understand where you come from, but that, I guess that's kind of why people are drawn to sort of alternative worlds because obviously like it's pushing against the norm so mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of coming back to, to where, where we kind of started from really. yeah um, in terms of kind of you've mentioned sort of at the top that obviously you've been away from the UK and Europe for a while been away from music so what was the kind of decision to, to step away uh, I, I knew I knew at a certain point that um, that I was not mindful in my music practice or right. in my life, and I had a lot of um, 
like emotional spiritual repair to do and a lot of learning I wanted to do mm. kind of intellectually like I wanted to be again like a better activist which meant yeah. being a neighbor and being of a place and I wanted to reduce my carbon footprint so I moved to a walking and public transit city I stopped touring and using like jet fuel and yeah. car fuel um, I went very strict vegan for um, a couple of years and just wanted to like pare everything down I gave away all of my things oh wow and I like it it was definitely like an existential uh, shift yeah yeah and I just felt that it was coming and I wanted to take those steps and make that space for myself mm. and not just feel like this is like a a train I have to stay on because if yeah. I get off I might not be able to get back on yeah yeah like I love music but like it, this was never about tickets or record sales and if yeah, you've been yeah. to my show you know that like I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm just here for the people who are here yeah and I and if I can't protect uh, if I can't ground myself if if I'm not able to be present then I'm gonna take the time yeah yeah and I I realized on this last trip uh, to Japan last year I only played like four shows last year yeah and it was with my friends um, the movie life in Japan oh yeah yeah and like during those shows I was like oh yeah <laughs> yeah, I stayed in one. Yeah, 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 I stayed in one place for uh, like a whole year. I didn't even really go home for any holidays. And yeah. Like I hardly, like, I was just in one place. I committed to be in one place, and then I played this show, or these four shows, and I was like, this feels really good. And as soon as I did it, so many people asked me if I would be playing again. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I'm gonna really think about it. And then more and more opportunities like this tour. I'm on currently just kept popping up and so it kind of just started organically yeah. but and I had to wake up to it and, <laughs> yeah. and kind of re be reborn yeah yeah and in terms of this tour obviously doing it with full band so firstly what was the decision to kind of do a full band rather than you just solo and has it been an interesting learning experience for you yeah to, to yeah. kind of be in that banding environment again? oh yeah I mean, uh, Ben and Matt from Such Gold are backing me up mm. on, on bass and drums, and, like, they, uh, they are such excellent players. Yeah. Like, they can't, they're, it's one thing to play fast, but it's another thing to be able to be shredders and then <laughs> yeah. slow it down. Yeah. So they're able to play so musically as, um, as a unit and just as a three-piece, they're able to fill the spaces, and it's pushed me as a guitar player and as a singer. Mm. So, like, I feel mad blessed to, <laughs> to be playing with them. Because I was just telling them today, I was like, man, like, thank you for the gift of joining me yeah. on, the, on these songs and, and growing me as, as a person and as a player. Because I, I wanted to do it because I thought it would be the most challenging thing I could do. Mm. And we did this tour with no rehearsal. We just oh, came wow. prepared with the songs. And first night we played them. And every night it's been, like... You know, leaps and bounds, a yeah, progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's incredible. Like to kind of go into it blind as well. Like. Mm -hmm. But that's a, like that's how I'm kind of like living now. It's just so much more, <laughs> so so much more faith. Like I yeah, feel, yeah. you know, I was able to become calm mm. and become quiet and 
and now I'm able from that to make noise again. Yeah, yeah. Before I wrap things up, I do want to just backtrack a little bit because you brought up obviously being in Pennsylvania where there is a sort of a lot of white supremacy and, and things like that. And I think the the sort of go-to at the moment is when you see things like that is just to be really aggressive, really angry. At, at, but being here sat with you for the last half hour, 45 minutes, you're a very calming presence. Mm. Um, and your music is very even though it's very heartfelt and very passionate, it's very soothing at the same time. So was it a difficult decision to kind of go down that route rather than be the angry, aggressive punk? Uh, I mean, I'm definitely the kid that got suspended for, you know, for uh, getting loud. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely the person at the protest that will yell in the face of a yeah, police, yeah. you know. But I'm not here to put my anger on people. Like, that's... Right. Maybe in another project, it it might aesthetically be that, but it's always to a point. It's just, like... Uh, it's just to tell a story. Right. Because I, I am angry. Like, we were, we were just comparing um, IDs. Right. And then and then Dan from Ducking Punches is like, "Yo, pull out your passport because there's so many pictures. I want to look at the pictures." <laughs> so they everyone's like looking at the pictures, and it's just like, "This is all like th- this is Rushmore, man." Yeah, yeah. Th- this is uh, you know, a, a steamboat on the Mississippi, um, cattle ranchers, the railroad. Yeah, yeah. I mean the railroad. Yeah. Who who built that? Yeah. You know, and I like I'm I'm I am pissed every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to to kind of quiet the mind, become peaceful when like I'm carrying around an ID that reminds me of white supremacy yeah, and yeah, the state yeah. of capitalism of um of how corrupted the society is. Like I carry that with me. Mm. And and I live with the burden of whiteness every day. So like, um, to to be peaceful is like, uh, it's like it's a practice. Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, meditation is important. For me, playing the music is important. Um, being really with people is so important because I'm trying to strip away uh, everything that's been been done yeah you know and let it fall away and just be with people and it's it's a tremendous amount of labor and there's no there's no days off on this trip we <laughs> yeah. played this is our 13th show in a row yeah. we're playing one more tomorrow and then a 15th one and then i'll have a day off <laughs> yeah. but it's like there there's so much that i'm i'm bringing up in a set or as we talk in conversations like this my only goal is to to focus on the essential and to to act in a way that's constructive and and gentle and peaceful. Yeah. Um, but also holding that 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 anger and rage is valid, and and the sadness that I feel yeah. is valid, and that the the whole range, the whole spectrum of this human experience is like okay. Yeah. And hopefully that's what people get from from my show because like I can be read as peaceful or happy but it's it's a 
it's part of a whole. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and and the pieces, the pieces just practice. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. And um, how I like to end these little chats is to ask my guests what their favorite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So, what is the favorite song that you like to perform live, and why? Hmm. I will say the like when you're asking about tour highlights before one comes to mind and we played the smallest show of tour at a club called cobblestones and uh bridgewater yeah and we opened the set we had done like a vocal warm up before, okay. like the whole tour. It was really beautiful, and uh, and we're just enjoying the fact that the tour is kind of winding down. Yeah, yeah. And so we do this vocal warm up, and we go to play, and the notes just come so easy, and so the front end of the set went so well. And I just normally stop and introduce uh, my song "Peacemaker" yeah. with a little bit about what it's about. Yeah. And this particular occasion, I was like, you know what? Like, the music's feeling so good. I'm just going to play it because I think it. I will say everything I need to. I, yeah, just, yeah, I remember yeah, having that thought. Mind. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and we play it, and I felt like a door open. And it's for my friend Nate, who, who passed away. And I've been talking a lot about Brexit and the wall. Yeah. My friend Nate was killed in it in a suicide bombing and he's a fellow activist and I just think often that he wouldn't want where we're at yeah how divided we are and how the media and the state use religion and gender and and uh, nationality and class and all these things to divide us yeah he doesn't he wouldn't have wanted no, that no, no, no. and maybe politically we wouldn't agree on anything but I know that he ultimately we, we wanted the same things for humanity right <laughs> yeah, of course yeah I play this song and it was like it. It's really hard to talk about because there's no words. Like if, but I feel like if you were there, you un you understand the yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where it's like you, yeah. you're in the moment and you kind of catch. Yeah. So kind of like trying to catch a lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Sort of thing. And that that's just what it was. I felt the door open and I was like, I could feel Nate and I yeah. could feel all of my loved ones that are no longer here. Yeah. And. And I think you can only know love if you've experienced loss, you, to know the fullness of it. Yeah. And I just in that moment felt enveloped by, by the song, and and by love. And um, I'll, I think that maybe at the end of my life, that's one of the things I'll remember about it. Yeah. Because I got to play that song. Yeah. Um, one night on a UK tour. Perfect. Brilliant. Koji, thank you very yeah. much for your time. Looking forward to your set tonight. Thank you very Perfect. much. Perfect. Thank you. So there we have it, folks. Thanks again to Koji for taking some time out to have a little chat with me. Uh, as always, you can keep up to date with what he's doing uh, musically or sort of activist-wise or just want to keep up with him in general uh, you can do on all the various social media platforms uh, links to which will be in the description of this episode uh, also if you wish to become a patreon of this show you can do so uh, the second patreon episode will be going live uh, on thursday this week so make sure to check that out if you so wish you can also become a patreon i've already heard um, links to both those patreons will also be in the description 
of this episode. Finally, before I say my farewells, um, unfortunately there's not going to be any episode next week because I'm not in the country. Um, I'm going off on tour with my friends in Punch-On. Uh, going to be doing five dates in Spain, so that's going to be pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, we'll be back to normal the week after. Maybe with a episode with Punch-On. Who knows? We're, but we're fast approaching episode 100 so there's definitely going to be some interesting stuff coming up in the next couple of episodes but for now thank you as always for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i'll see you soon